Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom in God. There is true freedom. There is everlasting freedom. There is freedom that cannot be changed, adjusted, or thrown away because it came from Christ. Man, this song, this little snippet of a song that we're going to play by Jesus Culture called Freedom, featuring my girl. Well, she's my girl in my head, at least, because she can doggone sing. Kim Smith Walker, let there be freedom. Let's go. Episode six of the Conquering Me podcast. And on this podcast, you and I will have weekly discussions about the joys of exploring a beautiful and personal relationship with Christ. Because the more and more and more we learn about Christ, we learn more about our personal relationship with Christ, we can walk a victorious and a conquered life. Today on episode six, we are talking about freedom is your birthright. Yes, freedom. Freedom is your birthright. I am so excited about this topic. And I think one of the reasons why I'm excited about this is because, excuse me, truthfully for so long, I was searching for a certain type of freedom freedom, or searching for what freedom meant, right? And I realized that a lot of my understanding was based in societal norms and or cultural norms. You know, when we talk about people being free, we usually think of, they always say, oh, you know, there's such and such as a flower child. They're just kind of free, go with the wind and do whatever they feel and all these other types of things. But the more I dive into God and Christ and how he was and how he wants us to live, there is a lot of structure and order for our freedom. But at the same time, certain things are just given to us because Christ already did it. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to jump around three times. I don't have to do whatever, 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 whatever. It is already done. When Christ gave us his life, went down to hell, got up on the third day. He said, these are the things that he has redeemed us from. Sin, he has taken that. The pain that comes with that, the shame that comes with that, the guilt. What we have to do is now accept Christ in our lives. And I am concerned about the amount of bound Christians 
like people who really profess God. They profess him as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They say they have the Holy Spirit, all these other things. And I am not here to question someone's walk with God. That is not my place. That is not what God has called any of us to do, right? We are not here to determine if somebody's going to go to heaven or hell. And, but you can see the lack of joy that a lot of believers display or don't display, right? You can see from how we live our lives. Now, I'm not saying that we are supposed to be perfect and always smiling and always on or whatever, but I do see this lack of hope that has really, really, really become the forefront of us as believers. And in the lack of hope and in the lack of joy, I'm wondering, are we because if we have in this lack, are we even trying to explore who God is and explore who, what life looks like in God, right? Or are we just repeating the same old, same old stuff? And so I really want us to talk about freedom is your birthright. Let's go to John 3, 3 through 6. And it says, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus answered, More, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said that to you. You must be born again. So first, before we say that freedom is my birthright, I have to take an account of have I received God, have I received Jesus Christ as my personal savior? And I want us to, I want to bring a little context, context with this scripture. This is when Nicodemus was talking to Jesus on the side and Nicodemus was a rabbi. He was talking to Jesus on the side about being born again and entering into the kingdom. And Jesus was just hitting him with all this stuff that was messing up the way traditional Jewish people at that time thought. Remember, these were descendants of Abraham. So from my understanding and from the studies that I've done about this, the descendants of that time felt that because they were descendants of Abraham, they were basically guaranteed a spot in heaven. So now here comes Jesus saying, and only the only way to get into heaven is to be born again through me, right? Be born of the spirit. And I was reading one uh, commentary about this. And one of the commentaries has said in the Greek terminology of to be born again, it means to be born from above. Again, means from above. So this threw Nicodemus off. So let me put this in today's translation. Some of us feel like because we were maybe born or raised in the church or our parents or grandparents or auntie and uncle, whoever, maybe the generation or the generations before 
believed in God and they prayed and they lived a life according to God and they have prayed over us and they've spoken things over us. But because of them, I have now a automatic spiritual inheritance. You going to church on a consistent basis or even going to Bible study on a consistent basis or even tithing on a consistent basis does not get you into heaven unless you say to the Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I believe that you are my savior. I believe, yes, you can do good. You can do good. You can volunteer. You can uh, be the most charitable person in your neighborhood and all that stuff. But in order to enter into the kingdom of God, enter into into heaven, you have to be born again through the spirit. And the spirit, that is God. That is Jesus Christ. So I have to accept him as my personal savior. This is why God has put me on this mission specifically with this podcast for us as believers to have a personal relationship with Christ. And even those who are new to the faith have a personal relationship with Christ does not mean that you will not um, consult people for wise counsel. It does not mean that you will not gather together at church or a Bible study group or a small group, whatever it is, right? It does not mean that. But at the end of the day, I have to, I, meaning every individual, all of us have to have a personal relationship with Christ. And we will discuss that more in this because Our freedom does not come through others. Our freedom comes through Christ. And the problem is, do we even know what we are free from and what we are freed to? But first, I have to be born again. I have to ask God to forgive me of my sins. I I have to say, God, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you're the son of God. You are the only son of God. Because one thing that I have noticed in this time, there are a lot of people who are believing in God, but it's difficult for them to believe in Jesus Christ. A lot of people are saying they believe in God and the universe and uh, karma and all these other things. But where you see a lot of faiths, Where they differ on is when it comes to Christ and the Holy Spirit. So those of us who have said, I am a Christian and I want to enter into heaven, I need to believe in Christ, the son of God, who came, God gave him for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If your desire is to have eternal life and have a life full of peace and love, even in the midst of chaos, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. And we have to start being very clear on that. Because there's a lot of things that are coming into the faith or people are mixing things into the faith that they don't realize that really is a form of witchcraft. We have to be very, very clear on what is God and what is not God. The Bible talks about having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The power that we believe is Christ. Christ was literally born of a virgin, came from a spirit, put into a girl. And then what happened? Born, virgin. 
if that's not power, I don't know what is. Let's talk about the main power. He got up from the grave with all power in his hands. A form of godliness, but denying the power, denying Christ, denying who God is, denying the very sacrifice of God. So in order first, in order for us to even have this birthright of freedom, number one, you have to be saved and you have to have a proclamation. And I, and I want to make this clear. I'm not saying go around and say I'm saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost or, uh, you know, waving your banner everywhere and stuff like that. Now, hey, if that's what you do, that's what you do. But at the end of the day, if you have confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that he that you are saved and that Jesus Christ died and rose for you, you are saved. So this is how number one, number one, that's how we get our birthright to make sure that you are born again. Now, the second thing is like when we talk about being free, what are we free from? John 8, 31 and 30 through 36 says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in me and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free. When we are in sin, coming out of sin, and here's the truth of it. As human beings, we have a sinful nature. When sin entered into this world, we were literally, and the Bible says that we are born into sin and shaped in iniquity. So we have a natural sinful nature. What is that sinful nature? Because I know some people are like, well, I don't do crazy wild stuff. And some of you may do that. Maybe the sinful nature is your level of pride, your arrogancy, your level of mistrust. The fact that you think that you can heal yourself is a problem. My pastor, my childhood pastor who has passed away some years ago, Pastor Sherman Davis, he said, sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And so I was thinking about that quote came up to me. He would say that so much when I was a kid. And at first, even when I was a kid, I thought, wow, that's profound. But now understanding as an adult and making a lot of mistakes along the way and having still struggles to, to, to today. And then as well as reading this scripture, when it says that we are a slave unto sin. Sin will control your life. When we do not surrender these things over to God, it blinds you. It deafens you from truth. It will keep you bound and stuck. And let's think about it. All the things that are even attached to sin. So now you have asked God to forgive you of your sin. So now you have to deal with the guilt and shame that is attached to it. Or maybe the consequences of your sins. 
But here is the truth. Even with the guilt and shame and whatever else that is attached from being in sin and having a natural sinful life and let it be insecurity, judgment, uh, procrastination, complacency. Honey, we can go through a whole list of things that are attached to sin that is literally killing us and killing our walk with God and are killing our abundant life and killing our joy. All of these things, God has freed you from that. But we don't know that. We do not know that because I want us I want us to go back to the first scripture that I read um, in here with John 8, 31 and 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Here's the thing. I will and any of us will continue to be bound, even though freedom is our birthright. We will continue to be bound if we do not abide in the word of God. What is abiding? Abiding is literally, I am making the word of God my home. I'm setting up shop. This is where I live. This is where I'm comfortable. This is where I come to get cleansed. This is where I come to get strategy. This is my comfort place. This is my counseling place. This is all this. I get it from the word of God. I have to abide, live in it, rest in it, trust in it, be vulnerable in it, follow it, take heed to it, allow it to be so deep within my heart so that I may not sin against thee. This is the thing. A pastor that my husband and I were under a few years ago when we were in Georgia, I remember he said this like maybe our second year there. And I was, at first I chuckled, but I said he has a point. It was very interesting what he said. He said, there are some Christians where the only thing they want to do is just be saved. That's it. I just want to be saved and make it into heaven. I know some of you are like, well, what's the difference? Like I'm, I'm saved and I want to be saved and I want to make it into heaven. There is a certain group of people to where they don't want to stretch outside of what they, where they are. They know that God has forgiven them. They're like, look, I'm just going to do just enough to get into heaven. And that is the mentality of a lot of people. So some people, there are promises that God has throughout the entire word. There are promises that he has made to us through the word of God, through Jesus Christ. And also some of us have been, uh, God has prophesied a word to us about his promises. But the question is, will we see it and receive it and believe it and live in it? Some of us will not because we allow other things, the sinful nature, let it be fear, doubt, mistrust, unbelief, lack of hope, all of these things to are the weights of life to stop us from living this free life in Christ. I have to abide in him. So let's go back to what I said earlier. Some of the things that we can look back, if we look back on it, it may bring up some very um, discomfort, some uncomfortable uh, emotions because of a decision that you made and you still feel a little shame and guilt around there. God has freed you from that. He does not require you to hang on to that. 
This is why I love when the Bible says, and, and one of the things that I, I myself personally am trying my best to do is quote the word of God correctly and also have a understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. And I'm trying to make sure I'm just not repeating what I heard on Sunday because I do feel like a lot of us are repeat stuff and we've all heard preachers, teachers, whoever, they will repeat things or take a scripture out of the Bible and just create a whole message off of one scripture when the whole context is not that, right? So and I'm saying all this because... I love when the Bible says, casting your cares upon him. It is not cast your cares upon him. Casting, and I believe that's the New King James Version says that. Casting your cares upon him. So that is a continuous thing of, so if I'm abiding and if I know that this is part of, of the word of God and I live in that. So that means every time something comes upon me that I know is weight because his burdens are easy. So if I know that this thing is heavy, God, something is off here. Somewhere along the way, I missed the mark. And I'm sorry, the, his joke is easy and his burden is light. So if something is becoming so, so heavy and so, so difficult. Now there's a difference between challenge and you being stripped and purged and God maturing you. Then there's certain things that is that God is saying, I've never required you to carry this. I need you to carry this. I need for me, I need for you. When I say you, I mean, we're talking to God and saying, God, I need you to carry. Some of the things that we have going on in our life in order for us to be free, we need to go ahead and make a list and say, God, I give that to you, this to you, this to you, that to you, this to you, that to you. Like literally make a list and say, God, I am not feeling free in this. And I want to make this clear. Freedom does not exempt you from pain, trial, uh, hardships, or anything that makes you uncomfortable. When I am free in God, I have the hope and promises and joy and peace and knowing that everything is taken care of. God's got it. Literally, God's got it. So when I abide in his word, I can rest as his child and knowing that my father is taking care of everything. Think about it. I want you to imagine yourself being in a very, very luscious castle and your father has the entire world as his kingdom. You are his child. You have access to it all. So if you start to feel a lack of freedom, or if you feel weight and burden, my question is, why aren't you talking to your father about it? Freedom is your birthright. The moment you were born again in Christ, you were free. Free from sin, free from all the trials, free. And really what it is, is free from the damnation of it. Christ literally took the power and the keys from hell. So those who believe in Christ, we say, oh, we don't have to believe. We don't have to deal with hell. We don't have to deal with that. And not at all. I have eternal life. And then also Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. So even here on earth, I can have an abundant life. Now, abundant life is different. And what it looks like is different for every individual on this earth. 
Not everyone is supposed to be a multi-gazillionaire. <laughs> Not everyone is supposed to have uh, uh, the best in shape body and, or, or whatever the case is, whatever abundance look like. And sp uh, specifically within America, we made abundance so much about materialistic stuff. And because I am an entrepreneur, my husband and I, we have a business. I do listen to a lot of things about business. And it's interesting to hear more and more wealthier people talk about how money and all these things don't make you happy. They see so many people who are of means, financial means and power and stuff like that. And they are miserable. They're on drugs. They're depressed. There's all of these things. So abundance, we have to shift our mindset of what abundance look like. Now, I'm not saying that we cannot have the, uh, the natural things, the tangible things of life. But abundance looks like it looks different for everyone. But also we as believers, what does abundance look like? What does freedom look like? I know personally for me, I am always craving the peace and the joy of God. I want to feel his love. I want to feel his tender, kind touch. Freedom, freedom. He has freed me from feeling burden. He's freed me from feeling anxiety. Every time if I become extremely overwhelmed, I immediately say, there's something that I'm not giving over to you, God. Show me what that is. Because once again, I know that I'm going to go through stuff. I know that I will have some challenging and dark days. David said, yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So what I appreciate about that passage of scripture is David recognized that I will go through stuff, but I don't have to live in fear. Because the freedom of having God is I don't have to be in fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. So immediately it was some things that I was trying to do earlier this week and I felt the spirit of fear trying to attach to it, to me, because I was jumping out on faith, fear, doubt, insecurity, all this stuff. I'm hearing the enemy saying, girl, you ain't going to do it. That ain't going to work. That's not going to happen. Nope, nope, nope. But see, I knew that was a trick of the enemy because that's how he got me in the past. Because God freed me from that. He freed me to understand that this is how the enemy gets me. And then also he freed me from the guilt of not moving on when he told me to move. So when that came along, I said, nope, devil, in the name of Jesus, you are bound in the name of Jesus. I will do what God has called me to do. I will move forward in what God has called me to say. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. I'm not saying that it removed the nervousness, but I moved. What are you free from remember in order to be free we have to accept jesus christ as a personal savior and i'm gonna keep emphasizing personal savior because doing good and going to church does not make jesus christ your personal savior nor does it give you the birthright of freedom so what god what is it that god has freed you from Take an account of your life and say, God, you have freed from me, freed me from maybe it was insecurity. Maybe it was bad judgment in, in picking a partner. Maybe it was he freed you from your childhood trauma, adult trauma, 
right? So many things that God has freed you from, but the main thing that God has freed us from is sin. Now, I want to make this clear. It does not mean that we will not be tempted. It does not mean that we will not even have mistakes. But what it does is frees us from the guilt and the shame and the, what's the death row judgment of going straight to hell. God freed us of so much stuff. But now it's time for us to really examine what is our freedom and what is that? What does that look like? And what has he freed me to? He has freed me to abundance. He has freed me to joy. He has freed me to live in a life full in him. I can, I have become so curious about myself because I am so curious about Christ. I literally have, my faith has increased so much within the past few years where I tell people, if the Lord shows me a way, there has it has to make it. No, no. I don't care what this person says, that person says. If God says yes, that's it. We're going to make this happen. And God had matured me and I had to learn that even though, yes, it will happen, it may not happen in my time frame. It may not even happen in my lifetime. Now, sometimes that's hard to admit. It may not happen the way I want it to, but it will happen. Because God is not a man that he shall lie. If we abide in the word of God, freedom is our portion. Freedom is our birthright. But we have to make the word of God our second language. The word of God has to be so deep-seated in our hearts. The word of God has to change our very character. Freedom is is your birthright, but you have to abide in him, accept him as your personal savior, and also abide in him and become his righteous disciples. Go and do the work that he has called you to do. Go and do the work that he has freed you to do and know that everything is taken care of. Everything is good. This is an encouraging word. This is a hopeful word. Whatever you're like, God, I, I know you called me to preach, teach, sing, or God, you called me to write this book, or God, you called me to do this, whatever. He has freed you from that. Seek, allow the Holy Spirit to really, really search your heart. Ask God to help you to forgive, to forgive yourself. A lot of times we ask God for forgiveness from the sin, but we still, hear me. The moment we say, God, forgive me of X, Y, Z. And we mean that in our hearts, we are forgiven, period. God is not going back into the lake of forgetfulness to go ahead and re bring that back and say, hey, you remember when you do this? We bring it back. And that makes us to stay bound in this vicious cycle that keeps us out of living a free life in Christ. So I hope this has encouraged someone on today to understand that number one, freedom is your birthright. But before you, freedom is your birthright, you have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Along with accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you have to abide in the word of God. Because the beauty about God is this, he allows us to discover ourselves and discover things that we need to be set free from as we continue to walk with him. As we continue to walk with him, he will release things and say, uh, 
you got to let that over. You got to give that over to me. So, but now I'm free to do that because I know him as a healer, a deliverer. I know him as a conqueror, God. I know him as a kind and just God. I know him as a forgiving God. So I don't need to hold on to this pain, this shame, this guilt, this anxiety, this depression, this old way of thinking, this tradition, whatever it is. I don't have to hold on to this. That is not my portion. This is not what God has called you to do. So if you abide in the word of God, really dive deep into the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to bring the word of God to life because it is life. Bring it to life. You bring a new understanding, leaning not into your own understanding, but leaning onto God's understanding. Freedom is yours. And if freedom, you feel like I have not been free. I don't feel free. My prayer is for you right now that the Lord begins to show you what is the disconnecting factor. There is something broken in the communication of your faith. Something is broken in maybe in the foundation of what you believe. That you don't feel free in a particular area of your life. Some people feel free within ministry, but they don't feel free within their family. So my prayer is that God begins to reveal that to you right now. And maybe you're like, well, I feel free holistically. Like I'm good all the way around. Well, rejoice in that and be open to the Lord to expose you to you. Because what I love about God is he is never done with us. He is never done with us. He has a beautiful way of showing us something else that we need to learn to humble ourselves, to submit ourselves to him so that we may be full and free and live a life of peace and joy. I love you all, and I hope that you all will have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week. I will see you and speak to you next Friday.